With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so we got a comment on our last live show from Shane Powell. Enjoy the show, but the only cricket pod with consistently terrible comms. Drop Jaleesa and be professional, please. Well, Shane, Jaleesa is not here, and this looks really bad for me because it looks like I've punted her for Barrett Sunderason, but it was just literally a coincidence. So Barrett Sunderason from Crick, Crick Buzz, SEN, everywhere. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, sorry, I think that's Jalissa. I think she wants me off the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I, I bring the hair to the show. So uh, that, mm. that's the only comparison I can make with Jalissa. But yeah, let's do this. It's, uh, it's been a, uh, it's been a, I've been hassled over the last few weeks. I'll be honest. It's been difficult for me to get a visa to go to Pakistan. I would uh, have been there ideally. I was booked to fly out on Sunday. But hey, I mean, there are more important things. Uh, you know, happening in the world. So uh, me not being there to cover that series is, the you know, uh, it's fine. It's not a big deal. I, I'm still hopeful. Fingers crossed I'll be there. Uh, but for now, I'm here in Adelaide talking to you guys. Pakistan's loss is our gain at Cricket Unfiltered. <laughs> uh, and of course, I'm with Paul Dennett. Paul, welcome. Hey, hey, Minas. Hey, Barrett. Uh, look, I'm really, really pumped up. I always get pumped up before a test series, but I think... Short of an Ashes, maybe, and uh, this is this is one of the most I've been looking forward to a Test series in a long time. I can't wait for it to start on Friday. I'm really pumped up because uh, this week Paul Dennett and I have got the call up to commentate on the Women's National Cricket League next Tuesday. Mm. New South Wales hosting South Australia in Hurstville Oval local for Paul. So uh, Paul and I are getting back into the cricket commentary game next week. Huge boost for cricket in this country, um, (laughs) as well as the Test Series. Um, So I'm really looking forward to that, Paul, calling that game with you. Yeah, yeah. Hurstville over where I used to live um, and uh, the very, very famous ground and a lovely ground. Um, It can't wait. I'm looking really forward to it. The only problem is that um, this monsoon that we're having in Sydney might have the last say. Yes. Uh, And 
look, we're going to preview the Pakistan uh, test series. Lots of headlines. But, Barrett, I just want to get this on record before Jaleesa quits the show. I did ask you at the very last minute to come on, didn't I? This was, this was not a hatchet job. I didn't read Shane's message and then, um, you know, try and weasel you in instead of Jaleesa. I asked you at the last minute when she kind of gave us the runaround. Well, you did mention something about some fellow called Shane, but yeah, it was last minute. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, the Pakistan Test Series starts this Friday. Three Test matches. Uh, They start in Rawalpindi, then Karachi, then Lahore. I I mean, Paul, you put together some compelling stats about the history of Australia-Pakistan. Do you want to take us through them or Pakistan-Australia? Yeah, I mean, basically, it's been... A long time since we've been there, as everyone knows. But in the in the whole history of Australia touring Pakistan, Australia's only ever won three test matches in Pakistan itself. There have been 10 draws and Pakistan has won seven. Now, that's from 1998 and earlier, so it's a very different era. You would never get a ratio of draws that high these days. Um, looking at just the recent series where we might have some relevant comparisons, Australia struggled. So we were there in 2010-11, but that was in England, so it wasn't really relevant. 2014-15, we were belted 2-0 in the UAE, um, a series I remember fondly because I had money on Pakistan. And um, I think that was the series of Zulfika Baba, um, one of my heroes as a result of what he did to Australia. And then 2018-19, we got beaten 1-0, would have been 2-0, except for the for the heroics of Usman Khawaja. So it's quite um, remarkable in the sense that you look at that, that series history um, Australia is going over there with zero practice at all. And yet you look at the betting for this first test match and convert it to uh, percentage chances. And it's Australia, no, sorry, Pakistan 37%, Australia 36%, and the draw 27%. So even against all of that history, now the pundits basically think it's a, a toss of the coin as to who's going to win. Barrett, what, what are you thinking? I heard Nathan Lyon um, just speaking about the pitch over there that it's looking, you know, no grass pretty flat and shiny. So I think we're going to get what I expected, good batting conditions, then reverse swing, then a bit of spin. Yeah, that's generally how uh, uh, most pitches are in Pakistan. They're very different to what you find in India or Sri Lanka, some parts of India maybe. Uh, uh, And one characteristic of uh, those pitches in Pakistan, generally, you could compare it with the old Sharjah wickets, where you could always see the batter's reflection or the bowler's reflection of it. And, uh, you know, they're generally quite good for batting. Uh, There aren't too many very difficult pitches to bat on in Pakistan. If you see, uh, at least in my memory of watching Test cricket in Pakistan, you rarely get a rank turner or or the ball-dominating play. Of course, everything changes uh, once the reverse swing comes into play. Uh, so the lengths that the fast bowlers bowl is generally very different in Pakistan uh, than uh, anywhere else. And it is a hard grind. Uh, the games will it, You have to play the long game. You have to hang in the game, like Australia found out last time, even in the UAE. Because uh, Pakistan also, and I'm sure we'll talk about the, the squads or the players to watch out for the Pakistan side. They generally have these... Uh, battle-worn spinners that they use against Australia. Guys who know everything about the conditions. Uh, <laughs> and that's, it, it's the same this time. So there's so much intrigue and there are so many unknowns uh, that we will discuss as uh, you know the series progresses. Uh, but Rawal Pindi, as we've been hearing a lot, uh, it does favour the fast bowlers. It does not mean that uh, you know fast bowlers run through sides. It mm. basically means that 
it will seem around a little it can swing it's it yeah, australia going to pakistan at a time when it's still cool the weather's not uh, it's not going to be very very hot uh, so the ball will still do stuff early in the morning uh, in the first session or so but yeah i mean it'll come down to reverse swing and how uh, australia are going to handle it think about it raval pindi express sure bakta comes from there but the bowler i'm sure paul is on top of his stats as always who's taken most wickets for pakistan in raval pindi over okay, a lot lot of them would have been that Yes, um, and th- that's the only slight sort of uh, hesitation I have in terms of looking forward to this series, that, that the anticipation that I get from Pakistanis on Twitter seems to be at a, at a level that I've never encountered before. And it's, it's as though they've said, we're going to put aside any scepticism we have about this Australian side, about you know the fact that they've actually turned up, the, the reaction on Twitter has been so genuinely delightful and charming and welcoming. Uh, it's just a wonderful explosion of joy I just hope we're not going to have um, too many days where it's grinding attritional cricket and then everyone will say, well, what was the point? No, nah, I don't think even if we do get uh, the grinding attritional sort of cricket, which I think we will, not always, but there will be times, especially as we move into Lahore and Karachi. But this just is, uh, it's a huge moment in the history of Pakistan as a country. Uh, you know, I mean, cricket plays such a huge role there. At, in, at some levels, even a bigger role there than it does in India. Uh, mm. You know, and for uh, them to have been robbed of seeing their players in, in the flesh for 10, 12 years and finally things opening up and for a team like Australia to go there, uh, right, whether you like it or not, whether you want to call them the big three or not. I mean, England, India, uh, Australia are the bigger teams in world cricket. Uh, and yeah. also the fact that Australia is not just, go- it's not one of those experimental tours where uh, Australia said, okay, we'll go there, play three one days in the same centre in a space of six days and come mm. back. This is a full-fledged tour. You're playing yes. three test matches. So, uh, and then staying back for the white ball stuff, regardless of which players are staying back. So, I think it's a huge uh, moment in the history of Pakistan as a country. Because if this tour, uh, fingers crossed, uh, goes through you know, perfectly, seamlessly, then uh, Pakistan can open the doors to everyone else, uh, maybe except India. For, to travel there and play a lot of international cricket. So regardless of what quality of cricket we'll get, I think we'll get proper hard, hard-nosed cricket, uh, seeing the two teams. But whatever happens in the cricket, I think people will come in there and just, you know, scream their lungs out. Yeah, because I, you still... You got I was just going to uh, say, I just cannot wait to see Australia play a test match overseas. I mean, it's been yeah. so long, you know, especially the last time was in England, which is... I mean, it's not that exotic, but I mean, this is going to be a completely different experience. And I actually love those attritional sessions when Australia is in India trying to, you know, scrape every run together. I can't wait for that. The, the, what I was uh, echoing some of what Barrett said and what I said earlier, that on Twitter, as everyone out there who's familiar with Twitter will know, that you could send the nicest tweet in the world and just, just a <laughs> lovely tweet and you will still find people who in the comments are having a go at you somehow. Um, you could say, oh, I've just cured cancer, and someone would say, well, you know, I don't know, something nasty to you. Yeah. This, the, the, when they set up the tweet of Pat Cummins in the hotel foyer, uh, the Australians have arrived, I went through every single reply, and there were dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens. shows the state of my life that I'm doing that. And there was nothing nasty. It was just welcome, welcome, charming messages, genuine excitement. And, um, you know, I think... It's naive of me to hope for this, to wish for this, but it's a pity that this wasn't going to be on free-to-air television in Australia. I know there's no chance of that ever happening, but um, 
in Australia, it's going to be lost a little bit in the start of the football codes and everything else. Um, it would be great if we had the same excitement. Cricket fans certainly do. Um, hopefully, it can be like that 2001 series between Australia and India. That was um, transcended the football codes and was the biggest talking point in town. Hopefully, this can do for the Australia-Pakistan rivalry what that series did for the Australia-India India rivalry. I think we're fortunate that, A, the cricket's on Foxtel and therefore News Limited will push the tour a little bit. And also the fact that SCN, uh, the radio station, are covering it, which means yes. it won't just get lost in AFL talk. Um, all right, let's get into the cricket headlines and all the build-up to the first test because a lot has happened. Uh, all the Aussie players have been doing Zooms over the last few days. Let's start with the bad news first. The first headline is that um, Ashton Agar's um, partner received a, a death threat um, a, to her social media account, which has since been um, found to be less than credible. So um, that's all fine. But, you know, New Zealand received threats on social media and they left. Yeah, but uh, I think it's uh, you can't judge them for having having left either. Uh, uh, oh, no, I'm just, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But it is, and that's the problem with social media as well. Like you know, like Paul said, you can get negativity thrown at you for whatever you say, whatever you do. Um, and uh, it, it, what really worries me is these people who indulge in this. I mean, just uh, how warped their minds have to be or heads have to be to think up such a plan where you are targeting not just a player but a player's partner and then pretending to be from uh, pretending to be pretending to be someone from that country from pretending to be from Pakistan and doing this. I mean, how messed up are you in the head yeah. to even think up a plan like that? Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I think when they see say security these days, uh, I don't think it just involves security on the field. It involves security on social media and everything. I think everything will be scanned. Uh, but that's the one issue of being on social media. Not just if you're a celebrity, but even for us, right? Uh, you're never, you know, spared uh, uh, spared up this negativity, like, you know. And it's up to you not to take it seriously. But, you know, when it comes to a level of a death threat and those things, yeah, what do you do? You have to kind of, uh, you know, hopefully hope that it's a hoax, but still be kind of wary of it. Yeah, and it was good that they've um, got to the bottom of it and, and cleared that it basically was a hoax and not not from someone in Pakistan at all. But in terms of the security, from everything I understand, it, it, it's it's literally going to be the equivalent of what they'd give to the President of, of the United States, that there's going to be... I've heard numbers of like 1,500 security personnel and uh, helicopter above and uh, Wi-Fi being disabled and um, streets being closed down. And it just sounds like they are going to move heaven and earth uh, and spend a lot of money in doing so to ensure that there's just absolutely no way that anything can go wrong, which I suppose is what what has to be done. But it's a it's a monumental effort. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, and they're kind Jinx. of you. <laughs> 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 I mean, kind of used to it, like you said. Uh, I, mean, I think Bill Gates was in town just a few uh, uh, weeks ago, or uh, you know, they've had uh, other uh, stay, uh, you know, leaders from other countries visit as well. Uh, and and you, you have to understand the magnitude of this. As you know, you, we spoke about how big it is for Pakistan that Australia spend a whole month there. But even the slightest incident, even one incident here or there, and their future, you know, in terms of cricket is on the line. Uh, you know, they could well be sent back to that period where nobody was touring. So they are making sure that nothing goes wrong. And it's it's good to see that the players have embraced it. You can get a little put off by that level of security, especially you're not used to in countries like Australia. Uh, we, to an extent of the subcontinent, are more used to it. 
but it can put you off. But in a way, it gets you to focus on your cricket and nothing else. That's right. The next headline, uh, Farward Armoured, the Australian leg spinner, um, is joining the support staff of the Australian team. I think that's because um, Shree, the spin coach, couldn't get a visa. So Farward Armoured's just won the Pakistan Super League. Um, obviously left Pakistan a long time ago. But, yeah, I think that's great. I mean, Farward Armoured's a friend of the show. He's a terrific guy. I, I think he didn't play enough cricket for Australia. So I'm thrilled they've got him in as a bit of a spin guru. I think he's got to get through quarantine. He's almost ready. But uh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sriram's been with the team since uh, 2016. Uh, I think Paul brought up the uh, loss to uh, Pakistan in 2014. Uh, it's around that time that Australia decided that we need to, you know, get someone who, a subcontinent specialist almost, mm. who will help us in those conditions. You know, they lost in India and then they lost to Pakistan in the UAE back then. Uh, and yeah, he's been with the team, uh, uh, has built quite a relationship but like you said, Fawad has played with the majority of them. And you could see uh, the excitement in all the players' voices when they speak about him coming back into the mix. I don't wish any ill at all on Nathan Lyon, Ashton Agar, and Mitch Swepson, but it would be quite a moment if um, <laughs> if, if somehow they got um, all three of them got injured and um, Fawad had to make his debut for Australia. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not the Women's World Cup. <laughs> and I bet caught Kawaja bold Ahmed, like, you know, on an Australian yeah. score, but who knows, yeah. <laughs> All right, the next headline, Steve Smith spoke to the media yesterday, so that's um, Tuesday Australian time, and said that he had to go and um, face fast bowlers in the nets for the first time, but he was feeling good with his concussion, so that's a positive sign. And he was asked about his form, and, you know, he made the point that he's got a very good record overseas. There's very few Australian batsmen that have accomplished what Smith has overseas, and I think he's looking forward to... Um, trying to repeat what he did in the 2019 Ashes. Uh, and, you know, I think Steve Smith has, uh, it's hurt his cricket that he's not been able to travel because of COVID and all that. Like you said, I think Steve Smith, the batter, dep- like, you know, uh, thrives on playing in different conditions and, you know, adjusting his game to that. I mean, three straight home summers, he's had long breaks between test matches. Yes. And, you know, he speaks about how. Every preseason, he has to work about. He forgets how he holds the bat, so he starts <laughs> from scratch. So I don't think he's got time to get into that rhythm of playing consistent Test cricket. So I think uh, the next twelve months will uh, do Steve Smith a lot of good because he'll be testing himself in different conditions, uh, and he'll be in the rhythm of Test cricket. And I have a feeling not only will he score runs away from home, but watch out for uh, you know Australia and Steve Smith next home summer when South Africa and West Indies come. It's going to be really fascinating because I just feel as though at the moment he's almost reached a slight tipping point where for the last few years, if you said to most people who's Australia's best batter since Bradman, I think maybe the number one remark would have been Steve Smith. Mm. His average now dropped back uh, well and truly into the 50s. If he was to have a poor series this time around, then I start to think that Ponting might take back that mantle. And um, it's going to be because, you know, as you say, the, the pitches are expected to be flat. Um, left arm orthodox spin has troubled him in the past. Um, Naman Ali could be quite a, um, a handful for him. Uh, I'm really hoping that he can have an absolute bumper series and we can get a, a few more years of uh, Steve Smith being the best in the world. It's a, a real shame that effectively we've lost basically almost three years of Smith's career, the one-year ban, then mm. two years of COVID with very little yep. test cricket. Uh, it, it is a real shame because I think he could have given some of the, the, the big numbers in cricket a real shake. And, uh, I agree. Yeah, he, and that, that was at his peak. 
Uh, all right, Usman Khawaja spoke to the media as well this week. He was born in Karachi, and he said, I think he moved to Islamabad and lived there for a little while. Um, so he's you know, obviously very thrilled to be back there, he said. Um, it, it is strange, though. He said he won't be able to see any friends and family because they're in such a tight bubble that, you, you know, he's got relatives there, but he, you know, he won't be able to get near them. Um, so it'll be just be like playing back here. But I, I think he's, you know, it's really good for him to be back there. And he did say his dad was sort of, hoping to get over for the tour. It's obviously not going to happen, but you can imagine how special it is for Kawaja, this tour. And uh, I knew that he could speak Urdu, but I heard his Urdu the other day, and I was like, wow, he can speak proper Urdu. And then I started thinking about, uh, I hope I've not said things about him in Hindi in his presence. <laughs> now that I know he understands, the, I mean, Hindi and Urdu are pretty much the same, uh, yeah. you know. But yeah, it's a huge moment for for him. And look where, look where his career was like, Three months ago, I remember covering his bat off here in Adelaide between him and Travis Ed. We thought his test career was over. And here he is back playing cricket and that too, you know, in his uh, original motherland, as they say. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how it's going to be, as you said, Ben, is that it's almost as though they could be anywhere, given that they're going to be uh, hotel to ground, hotel to ground, and in between not really being able to sort of experience the culture. Hopefully, if this tour goes off without a hitch in, in future tours, maybe that can be uh, relaxed a little bit. But yeah. You mentioned it as one of the stories of the summer, Menas, and it certainly is um, Kawaja back in the side. Uh, you would have got good odds about that, what, you know, two years ago when he was kind of struggling for a run in the Sheffield Shield. Um, it's it's a real delight to see him um, back in there. And you made the point, yeah, that he, was, um, he, he grew up to a degree in Islamabad. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I know I've only just discovered this myself, Rawalpindi and Islamabad are basically sort yeah. of the one big city almost, like Sydney and Parramatta or something like yeah. that, where they're, um, they're connected to each other. So... Um, yeah, very, uh, very exciting for Usman. All right. So I've got a question and a concern from all the talk. It feels like Australia want to start with the same side that played in Hobart that, uh, so they want to go in with their three quicks, except probably Hazelwood will come in for Boland. Uh, and then they would want to play one spinner. It seems from the talk that that's what they want to do. I'm worried that we're going to the subcontinent and we're not being flexible about enough. I mean, surely if you've got green and you've got two quicks, don't you play another spinner? Uh, you play your best 11 manners. Like, you know, when when did Australia last win in the subcontinent? In 2004. How many spinners did they play? One. Yes, it was Shane Warren. But you have Nathan Lyon. And his, uh, you know, he hasn't played enough in the subcontinent in the last few years. But his last tour to India in 2017, which was five years ago, was a revelation. Like, you know, you compared the Nathan Lyon from 2013 and 17. He was, a, you know, he'd become a world-class bowler by then. So I think uh, uh, it also will depend on what Pat Cummins is comfortable with. Uh, he is a fast bowler's captain and he's comfortable dealing with this, uh, this formula that he has. And in Rawalpindi, I think they, you have to go in with more pace because of what we hear the conditions will be like. But if Australia do do well in that test, I won't be surprised if uh, you don't play the second spinner. I mean, there's no point playing the second spinner for the sake of playing the second spinner, right? Uh, unless the pitch is a rank turner. Like, you might have to do it in India. But in Pakistan, I still think with Manas Labushin, who I think is a very underrated bowler, if you remember the last time they went to, or they went to that part of the world, uh, not the subcontinent, but UAE, Manas bowled a lot of overs. He used to be a round-rounder back then. So I still think they can use a lot of him here uh, and stick to what they have. And if things don't work out, then of course, uh, you know, they can bring in the second spinner, whether it's Swepson or Agar. Well, conservative. Uh, no, I think it's attacking. I don't think it's conservative if you stick to your strengths. In, because 
everybody says go to the subcontinent, play two spinners. A lot of teams do that. I think that's conservative. That's basically well, just uh, being conventional, listening to everything that people say. I think but we won, one, we won one test in India on the 2017 tour. Stephen O'Keefe bowled us to victory. I mean, that was our that, second spinner. But no, you're not going to get a pitch like that ever again. <laughs> uh, that, that's yeah. true. But Well, I think that um, look, looking at it in a different direction, I suppose, even if we didn't play another spinner, uh, if it's going to be one of these pitches where um, bat really dominates ball and, and we've struggled in the past on our batting has struggled against the, the Pakistan bowling. Uh, and if we've got Cameron Green and if we're gonna, if there is going to be a lot of overs um, coming out of Nathan Lyon, I suppose you could make an argument that someone like Ashton Agar could come into yeah. the side at, at the expense of one of the quicks, partially to strengthen the batting and partially to say, we've got Green, we've got um, you know two quicks already do we need effectively four quicks given that the spinners are going to bowl um, a lot of overs? So I think that then they'd say, well, who would Agar come in for? He's not going to come in for the captain. They're not going to want to drop Stark because of the potential for a reverse swing. And whether it's Hazelwood or, or um, you know, I, th- I think it will be Hazelwood, it's very hard to not pick Hazelwood in a cricket side because he's just so darn good. So I think by they'll, they'll talk themselves into that first 11. Um, but I, I kind of can see both both sides of your, your arguments. I can, I'm not sure which way I fit. Because my gut feeling is, having been, you know, thousands of miles away, is Pakistan will turn out pitches that are flat and turn pretty quickly and give very little to the quicks. Because they'll know, I think they'll know their best chance is their spinners against our team. Because Australia has this, you know, terrible record of batting against spin. Uh, So I just think they'll throw that at us. I know yep. they've got some good quicks, but I reckon they'll back their spinners more than their quicks. That's why it's just such a pity, and I'm, I'm saying this because I'm contractually obliged to mention uh, Glenn Maxwell every show. It would be such a pity <laughs> that we couldn't have Maxwell in there at the expense of a quick bowler. We get the extra spin. Yeah. We strengthen and lengthen the batting. I mean, there's been times I've thought when we played in Pakistan, we should just go with 11 batters. because. <laughs> yeah. So um, go, go on, yes. So I was just going to read out Australia's first test side. Kawaja, Warner, Labashane, Smith. Ed, uh, Green, Carey, but I think Inglis is knocking on the door, baby. Uh, then Stark, Cummins, Lyon, Hazelwood. So I think that'll be the 11. But what I, what I want to ask you both about is, uh, you know, I've been diving into this Pakistan squad and I know the batters, I know the quicks, got to the spinners. I was like, okay, who's Sajid Khan? And, uh, you know, I'd heard the name. Who's Nauman Ali and who's Zahid Mahmood? So you've got an off-spinner Sajid Khan. Nauman Ali, and I'm not even saying that right. Is it Newman like in Seinfeld? No. Um, Numan. Numan. Numan Ali. Numan, yeah. Numan Ali, left arm orthodox, and Zahid Mahmood, leg spinner. So I guess, Barrett, do you know anything about these? Oh, I mean, uh, I think uh, Ali has been playing first-class cricket for the last 15 or 16 years. I think he is a lot like Zulfikar Babur. He's Zulfikar Babur. Yes, my hero. Yeah, reborn in uh, to 2022. Uh, he, he has like a lot of first-class experience. He's got the break in Test cricket very, very late, which does happen. It's funny, Pakistan throw in their fast bowlers very, very young. But they, do, they don't mind throwing in a 34, 35-year-old spinner into the mix, especially a finger spinner. Uh, so he's one of those classical Pakistani spinners. Uh, I think he's more in a... Uh, like not a Jadeja mold, but he'll be more accurate. He'll be at you. So, uh, you know, uh, he'll bring LBWs a lot into play from whatever little I've seen of him. But he's a wily, he knows these pitches like the back of his hand. Uh, I think uh, Sajid Sajid Khan is the off spinner who's made a 
great start to test cricket. I was seeing a clip of his uh, backstory and wonderful backstory where he had at one point moved away from cricket. I think he had uh, moved to uh, the UAE to work and then he came back and he, his mother has been a huge backer of his and he's come back to cricket and he's also in his late 20s. He's also played quite a, bo- quite a bit of first-class cricket, can hold the bat as well a little bit. Uh, and he's going to, uh, you know, uh, he, him and Ali will be the, the I think, will start the series. But I, I think Zahid Mahmood has also played quite a bit of first-class cricket. So, uh, they, they might not have Yasir Shah. They might not have a big-name spinner. But these are the kind of spinners who, uh, you know, do the goods for them in, in home soil. If Even if you go back to when they were playing in the UAE, you would have someone like an Abdul Rahman come and have a, the same effect as a Saeed uh, Ajman, like he did against uh, England and South Africa and Australia back in the day. I think that um, Naman Ali, to me, might be the the key for Pakistan. That he's got that... He, he bowls a little bit like Jadeja, but I think with a little more flight. And yeah. he's, sometimes when he just lands them, you just look at them and think, oh, he's the sort of guy that... He'd take none for 200 in Australia, but put him on a pitch where it starts to turn. Uh, you know, he, he could roll... Through, a bit like Michael Clark used to do. Like, there's a tiny bit of Michael Clark even in him. That, um, But obviously, he's a lot better. He's got um, a, a first-class bowling average of... Um, 25, which is very decent. He is um, getting on a bit. He's 35. Um, and as you said, he, he does have that sort of, um, not to be cruel to him, but like Zulfi- not like Zulfika Baba, he doesn't necessarily look like an athlete. Uh, but I think that of all the players in the Pakistan side, I think he's the one that Australia should be most worried about. And also they've got um, uh, Iftikhar Ahmed, who bowls um, some part-time off spinners, and he's taken his first class wickets at 29. So if the pitch does turn a bit, there's another option that they've got there as well. Now, Paul, on your Pakistan team, you've got Shaheen Afridi and Nazim Shah as the two quicks. Do you agree with that, Barrett? Do you think they'll be the the two quicks? Um, now that Hassan Ali is not there, uh, I, I think the big thing is Fahim Ashraf is injured as well, right? And uh, he plays a huge Cameroon Green-like role for the yes. back seven and bowls, uh, like, you know, effective spells. Uh, so I'm not sure who uh, will come in his place. But yeah, I guess Nasim Shah, of course, we Australians will remember him as a 16-year-old who came here, lost his mother at the start of the tour, but still made his test debut. Uh, you know, youngest to take a test hat-trick, if I'm not mistaken. So the, uh, and to see him in front of his home fans will be quite something. So I think without Hassan Ali there, uh, uh, they might go to him. And with Haris Rauf would have been the first option. Uh, but again, who also is very well known in Australia, but now him testing positive to COVID means that, yeah, Nasim Shah kind of should walk into the side. Yeah, I've been chatting to um, uh, SM Hussain, who's a friend of mine on Twitter. He tweets that um, caught at point, and um, he's I've sort of based my 11 on what he said. And he's, he's got Nasim Shah coming in there at number 11. He's another one that's fascinating because he's so exciting and he's 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 got a bit of that like, um, crazy fast bowler where he, he could shot. go for none for 200 or he could blow you to bits. I'm a bit worried. He's got quite a, a expensive record. Uh, so he's the sort of guy that if he doesn't get it right, then it, it could go wrong in a big way. So it's a bit of a risk picking him, um, but it's certainly going to add some interest to the, to the series. Mm. And then I guess moving up the order rather than down the order, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the, the middle order players for Pakistan in particular. Barbara Azam, we know, is electric. Uh, Azhar Ali's got a brilliant record. But then Farwad Alam, I don't think he's played against Australia. Um, and he, he since he's come back into the, the side, he, he's, he's batted beautifully and he was ignored for years by Pakistan. So it's another great story, a bit like Usman Khawaja. Um, 
And forward alarm is the opposite to George Bailey. I think George Bailey used to bat with his back to the bowler. Forward alarm's just standing there. So they're three I'm looking forward to. And then Muhammad Rizwan's a dacha at six. Forward alarm. What about you two? Well, forward alarm, I think I think he's an even better prospect for Pakistan in this series than Baba Azam. That yeah. I find it amazing that he could average in the mid-50s for so long in first-class cricket. And like they picked him in 2009, and then he was in the wilderness for a decade or more. Um, and he averages 48 now in test cricket. He's, he's, you know, he's not young, he's 36, but yeah, that's the thing you, you notice first of all, that he's a left-hander and he looks like he's facing the bowler as the bowler runs in and then he, he switches up and bats properly, but forget that, he can actually play. So I think he's the most dangerous batter Pakistan actually have. I'm also looking forward to their opener, Abdullah Shafiq. Uh, I've mm. been watching some clips of him from his under-19 days uh, and, and I think he, he made his first mark in the PSL making a uh, famous hundred now, uh, and, but then he's like started well in Test cricket. I uh, got some runs, and I think he has both gears. He can be a dasher at the top, but he can also uh, kind of you know uh, buckle in. And they 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 without Abid Ali, I think he's injured. Oh, like you know, made such a great start to Test cricket again. Uh, someone who's had to wait a long time to come in, come back in. So you would uh, you would assume that uh, I thought Shan Masood is still in the. In the mix, yeah, he is, of course. So Shan Masood might open, or they have Imam Ulhaq, who's been in and out of the side for quite a while. Uh, so for me, I think I'm really looking forward to seeing Abdullah Shafiq. Young batters do well against Australia. Pakistani batters, I go. I, I mean, I go mm-hmm. back to uh, even those who would come here, like Mohammad Wasim. I remember scoring runs here and over there uh, in '97, '98 during that period. Uh, so I'm looking forward to him, and I think Mohammad Rizwan is, uh, you know, uh, he can put up. Put his hand up to say he's one of the best wicketkeeper batters in the world right now across all formats. If not already, he's up there. He's not too far from Rishabh Pant. So I think between number one and six, uh, I'm looking forward to those two. And of course, Babar Azam will, you know, he he will hold court whenever he gets his chance. Yes, and um, with with Abdullah Shafiq, he's a classic Pakistan selection. He's played two tests and he's only played um, five first class games. So. Um, You'd never see that sort of figures in most countries where they can be thrown into the test side so quickly. I think he got picked. Um, yeah, he played three first-class games um, and then got straight into into test matches. So yeah, he's someone who um, uh, another uh, from from quarter point said that the the uh, the, chair, the chief selector Mohammad Wasim rates him very highly. So he's someone who'll be uh, interesting to watch as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think that their batting lineup is is pretty solid and. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they compare to Australia in, in foreign conditions. All righty. Um, let's do a prediction for the series. I'll go first to give you two time to think about it. I'm giving my series result, and it's also the first test result. So I, I think the series will be 3-0 three, three Pakistan, and the reason I think it will be 3-0 is Australia's had no preparation. We haven't played overseas for three years. I don't think we can match Pakistan spinners. I don't think we can bat very well against spin. I think the games might be close. I don't think there'll be sort of um, games where we get walked over like India does to us often in the subcontinent. But I, I think Pakistan will be too classy and they'll, they'll get the chocolates 3-0. Who wants to go next? One all. I think uh, one all. There, will, yeah, there will be a draw. Uh, I can picture like hard-fought draw somewhere. I won't be surprised if Australia starts strong 
and then Pakistan come into the series, maybe draw the second test and win the last test to, you know, finish the series sort of dramatically to level the series. That's that's how I see it happening. Uh, uh, I don't know. What, what what about you, Paul? Are you with me or are you going to go Pakistan's way or Australia's way? I've got no idea. I mean, I looked at the... Um, <laughs> I, put, I put through um, each of the 11 players and predicted what I thought their average might be. Like, I'm trying to pretend to be on my computer model, the, the, a very poor computer model. And then added Always. them all up. <laughs> added them all up. And uh, some have predicted averages for Pakistan was 321. That's with the bat. And Australia was 343. With the ball, um, 28.3 for both of them. So... Then you factor in Australia's had no preparation. We always struggle in those conditions, but we a better fielding side. And I always get a bit concerned with Pakistan being quite conservative. You know, they're the sort of side that can take a wicket off a no ball and that sort of thing. So I basically, my, my predicting came out as a tie. Um, so that's useless. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 three, I not, ties, three ties and nil three ties. It's going to be, it's going to be an awesome series. It's going to wow. be an awesome series. No, but Ready I think. Um, all time. <laughs> Nothing would surprise me. You could you could not come up with a series score that would surprise me. But if forced to pick, I'll probably split the difference between you guys and say Pakistan two one. All right, good one. All right, cannot wait. For oh, the one series. other thing. Sorry, just oh, um, yeah. yeah, just uh, um, just so I can get it out there. So if it's wrong, I can look silly. I, I did look into the forecast, and as Ooh. as um, as Barrett said, it's um, it's uh, it's a lovely time of year over there. It gets very very hot in Ralpindi, but at the moment it's passing through the real temperate. Um, phase so the maximum temperatures are going to be sort of 22 19 22 that sort of level a lot of the pakistanis on twitter are worried about there being rain it's not the monsoon time but rain can certainly um, fall in ralpindi at this time of year but i'm going to go on record and say i don't think that rain's going to affect the match i've gone through the forecast in some detail and from what is it you know eleven thousand kilometers away i'm confidently predicting that we're not going to get too much rain um and the other thing if you don't know um that Rail Pindi's a very long way north. Um, it's a lot further north than sort of the bulk of, uh, of India. And it's sort of, uh, it's not that far away from Kabul and Afghanistan. It's not yeah. actually even that far away from um, from China. And it's right near sort of uh, Kashmir, the sort of disputed area as well. So it's, um, oh, mate, if you do get across there, Barrett, I'm very, very jealous. I'd love to be going. It's uh, It looks like it's an amazing part of the world. Oh, absolutely. It's one cricket country I've never been to and I've always wanted to. For obvious reasons, I've never got an opportunity. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, someone there wants me so that I get to go. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our preview of the Pakistan-Australia Test Series. Let's move on because there's a couple more cricket headlines bubbling around. The politics and uh, machinations in the Australian dressing room keep on bubbling away with um, the the sacking of the Australian physio, David Beakley, just before this tour, Ben Horn reported today in the Daily Telegraph that he was sacked um, by Ben Oliver, the high-performance manager. And reports are the players are not too happy about this. And I heard, Nathan, did you hear the press conference, Barrett, with Lyon? No, I missed it. I was, uh, yeah, right. yeah. But I, I, I do, I did read his quotes, though, about David Beakley. Yeah, and, and, and much- he, cert- he certainly said that how much they valued him and he he did say oh that they make all the decisions at up the top but he didn't sound happy no he didn't and i think he was uh part of that mix with andrew mcdonald and uh michael divinito i remember uh the day after the gaba test finished uh, i was staying not too far uh, i was actually staying with the, the legendary robert craddock uh so i was not far from the ian healy oval where australia a were taking on the england lines 
So, you know, I had a day off. So what better thing to do than to go watch an A-game? So I walked mm. there and there weren't too many people. And I was just walking around. And I remember bumping into Andrew McDonald, Michael Divinito, uh, and, and, and the physio. And like, you know, you could see, I mean, he was an integral part of that side, that support staff. And I've been seeing him ever since I've started following Australian cricket. Uh, and even some former players have uh, come on record. I was just reading uh, whether it's Ryan Harris or, uh, uh, you know, even James Pattinson and said how big a role he played. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether it's Cricket Australia uh, taking those Flexing forms, their muscle. Flexing their muscle is one, one uh, reasoning I read somewhere. Uh, or, uh, because I, I am surprised because he did seem to be like an integral part. And one, one thing I do remember about watching uh, him in the nets is his kid is beautiful with, with the gloves. I remember two, three years ago, he was three or four and I think he outkept Tim Payne. And this is in Tim Payne's words. <laughs> <laughs> further further proof that the specialization required to be a wicketkeeper is vastly overrated. Now, um, I, um, I would hate for it to be that they have Surely that can't be true, that they have decided to sack someone who's someone that they wouldn't have otherwise sacked simply to give a message to the players that actually we run the show. I I find that to be extraordinary. I can't imagine that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to speculate on it because we literally know nothing. could be something completely different. Um, But it's just interesting that, uh, you know, obviously Ben Horn from News Corp has been given this story um, that the players are unhappy. So he's... Yeah, it's just interesting following on from what happened to Langer, this power shift. And it's the first time the word sacked has been used in Australian cricket for a while. Uh, you know, uh, of parting ways, there are so many other ways of putting it. The fact that they've said he's been sacked almost tells you like something has happened, like because of which mm. it's happened. I think there will be more to it in the days to come. And someone who wasn't sacked, but I know... I don't think we reported on this on the show. It happened a few weeks ago. The longtime Australian team manager, Gavin Dovey, uh, has left the setup and, and he's been with the team, I think, since 2013. So, um, maybe a long time. Yeah. 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 So, he, so, so, you know, he survived Homework Gate, he survived Sandpaper Gate, uh, but eventually um, he left. And yeah, I mean, it, I think there's a lot changing in that Australian team now. Yeah. I guess like with, uh, you know, the way the setup was in the Australian team. And, you know, uh, Justin Langer and Gav Dovey worked very, very closely with each other. And, of course, like you said, Gav Dovey uh, worked similarly with other coaches as well in the past. Uh, so, with Langer moving, uh, and, and like you said, he survived a lot of upheavals in Australian cricket. Uh, maybe the time had come. Uh, maybe it was his personal decision, of course. As we know, he lives in England, doesn't live here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, 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 it was... Something you just speak to people who know a lot about the uh, mechanization of uh, the Australian team. Not many are surprised that you know once Lango went, uh, Gabdo we left not long after. Yeah, I guess the final bit of the puzzle was that in Ben Horn's article, he insinuated there was tension between Ben Oliver, head of high performance, who probably backed Langer more than say Nick Hockley did. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's interesting. Anyway, we've talked about politics ad nauseum um, for the last two years. It feels like <laughs> next headline: are some funky rules for the Australian for the Women's World Cup in New Zealand because of the restrictions there on travel and everything. Uh, teams can field as few as nine players for it to be an official World Cup, and 
you our female support staff can be called on as subfielders. They can't bowl a bat, but uh, th- that's um, weird in a World Cup for them to be so loose with the rules and makes me further question their reasoning between forging ahead in New Zealand where they're so limited with what they can do. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, I remember last year suggesting that uh, when we didn't know how long this COVID was going to last and uh, you didn't know how, how much longer these uh, bubble tours would last, that maybe there should be two or three recently retired cricketers uh, as part of the support staff in every team, not just the women's mm. team, but men's team as well. Just because you never know. I remember last year when India were here, a couple of times a fielding coach had to go out there and field, thankfully, in the practice game. Uh, and we we're seeing that happen uh, more and more. I remember the New Zealand media manager, this is before COVID, when they played a test match in Sydney, he was padded. I mean, he was in his whites uh, waiting to come out. <laughs> uh, so hopefully we don't see that during the World Cup. Uh, I mean, I, I think uh, I think Lucy Williams can handle herself on the field, though, having said that. So, uh, but, you know, Australia have some uh, uh, pretty, you know, uh, legendary names in that support staff. So if Shelly Nitsky has to come out and feel, uh, I don't think she'll do that bad a job. But hopefully it doesn't come down to that. But yeah, the nine-player thing reminded me of the under-14 rules that the SACA have for these games. Like, as umpires, you're given... Uh, a sheet which says that uh, till the time there are nine players in uh, each team, you can go ahead with the team, uh, go ahead with the game. So uh, hopefully we don't see SACA under-14 rules being played out in the biggest stage for women's cricket. <laughs> and uh, there was a warm-up game on Tuesday. Now, now look, I'm, I'm, on the last show I said New Zealand are Australia's danger side in this 50-over World Cup. And in this warm-up game, they towered Australia up. Australia batted first and made 321. New Zealand got it one down with almost seven overs to spare. Sophie Devine hit a lazy 161 not out of 117 balls. And Amelia Kerr, who's had some issues where she's uh, sat out with some cricket through mental health, made 92 not out of 75 balls. And, you know, she's... She's a player that's scored a double hundred and taken five wickets in a game. So, uh, yeah, watch out for New Zealand. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Women's World Cup. How about you two? Definitely. And it's it's the sort of thing that if you were playing Australia and they've been dominant for so long, you'd sort of say, well, we might as well absolutely go out at there and um, maybe they play still slightly more traditionally Australia, that maybe there's an opportunity to play much more aggressively and if you get bowled out, well, you get bowled out. I love it when sort of these sorts of things happen, that if you're an alien coming down and you saw that the practice matches, uh, New Zealand got beaten by Pakistan um, and then New Zealand went out and beat Australia and you'd say, okay, well, based on that information, what what are the chances of winning the tournament? Again, if you look at the odds and convert them to percentages, Australia's a 52% chance of winning the tournament and Pakistan is a 0.6% chance of winning the tournament. Yeah, you look at those two, you say, well, you know, um, maybe Pakistan is um, a chance of a bit of an upset there. Obviously, it would be a, it would be a pretty massive upset. But um, it's been good in those warm-up games that there have been a couple of um, uh, interesting results that um, South Africa almost beat India. And um, what was the other one? Um, there was a... Just trying to find the other one that was semi semi sort of an upset. I know I think that that might be the oh yeah the New Zealand losing to Pakistan. Uh, England today hammered South Africa, so that's kind of um, uh, putting things into perspective for South Africa. But you'd sort of say that Australia, India, New Zealand, and England, all four of them have a, have a real chance. Obviously, Australia's the the short price favourite. Yeah, Barrett, what do you think about India? Because you know think, World Cup finalists last time. Yeah, and uh, you know for once the BCCI seems to have 
uh, uh, you know, put their uh, money where it matters in making sure that the Indian team gets a five-match ODI series against New Zealand in New Zealand uh, in the lead-up to the World Cup. So they have spent a lot of time in New Zealand getting acclimatized to those conditions. Uh, you know, they fell, they came so close to creating history four years ago or what, four and a half years ago now in England. Uh, so there is some pressure on this Indian team to go one step further. Uh, and, and like they showed during that tour uh, of, of Australia, what, six, seven months ago, they can uh, they can compete with, with, with the best teams. And I think these five ODIs, even if the series didn't go India's way, uh, I think will play a huge role or will 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 should do them some good. Similarly with New Zealand, to have like a highly competitive series just before a World Cup, even if it's on home soil, is going to do well for them. In terms of Australia, the only thing is uh, they're so used to winning ODIs. But they have put that pressure on themselves to make up for 2017. Uh, you know, it's a little different. That, you know, maybe they cruise through the the league games, but once it comes to the knockout games and they start thinking back, if they do think back to 2017, think you you never know which way it'll go. Yeah, that that's what I think because I still think Barrett, when especially England and India and New Zealand are at their best, they can compete with Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, that was the headlines. And let's get into viewer questions. First one from VJ. If a seamer is to be dropped for Australia, who will it be, Hazelwood or Stark? Paul? Um, I think it would end up being Stark, but I don't think that they'd be contemplating dropping him for the first test. But I'm sort of saying maybe if Stark had a poor first test and then and, and we did go down your route, Menas, then... I think that Hazelwood's probably less likely to have a poor first test. Hazelwood's much more solid. Stark could blow them away or he could go for a few runs. I, I think it was actually me. I might actually go into the first test with Agar instead of Stark. Um, I wouldn't be the one. I, I wouldn't want to be the one that told Mitchell Stark that, though. I'd, I'd delegate that. Nat, I think the way Stark's been bowling, uh, the rhythm he's been in, I, I would just play him. I would just start with him uh, because the ball will reverse swing. And, you know, I think the Australians. Should be well versed with it. Uh, I think if it is reversing, you need the the that from Mitchell Stark. You know, it's it's the whippiness in his bowling action will come in handy. Uh, but look, Josh Hazelwood is arguably the most improved fast bowler in world cricket. I mean, look where he's taken his T20 or T20 bowling to. So it's going to be a tough kick, and that's why I think all three will play all three tests. The other thing, just think- on that, that if if they need to drop Cummins, they should drop him. They shouldn't have a second thought around the fact that he's captain. If he needs to be on the on the bench for a game then the fact that he's captain should make no difference, but it would, obviously, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think Stark's reverse swing, I mean, I remember in the tour to Sri Lanka about six years ago, he bowled some devastating spells with an old ball. So we might really need that. Um, and then the other question is if two spinners, who will be the second spinner with Lyon? I know, Paul, you said Agar. I don't want to see a finger spinner. I want to see Sweps and play and partner Lyon. I mean, if if Swepson doesn't play here with Tanvir Sangha, every improving every with every uh, you know performance in Shield cricket, uh, Swepson's chance might never come. Like you know, so if I think it, we've reached that point where you know if you think back, Swepson's been with the team since the last tour of the subcontinent five years ago to India. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Menas. I think they, if they play the second spinner, it has to be a positive move, which means you have to bring the leg spinner in. Uh, and then, like, you know, leave out a fast bowler rather than bring Ashton Agar just because he gives you that all round, uh, you know, all round comfort. 
Yeah, I think it would be harsh on Swepson if they um, jumped Agar ahead of him. I, I think they would probably at this stage certainly have Swepson as their intended um, second spinner. We were at the Shield last year in Wollongong and he bowled a ball that could have been bowled by Shane Warne. It was an absolutely superb uh, one of those gadding type balls, maybe not as, as um, massive as that. But I just think, um, I, I know what you mean, men, as I like a wrist spinner as well, but sometimes the subcontinent, I think that's the finger spinners that can um, that can do the trick. So if it was up to me, I'd, I'd have Agar in ahead, but I don't think that's where they'd go. And we answered your question, Martin Lawrence, the same question about the second spinner. Now, J- oh, Paul's going to get all giddy here because it's a, a question from the US. Jay Dutcher. Hello, guys from the US. Excited to watch some cricket this week, probably on Willow TV. Who ta- who takes the most wickets for Australia over the three test matches? Paul, who do you think it'll be? Leading wicket taker for Australia. I remember that, that Stefan Edberg said when he was a kid that, that they used to play this game in Sweden, um, trying to guess the make of the car that was next coming around the, 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 the corner. And that I think the most common car is the Volvo and the second most is whatever. But Stefan Edberg said, I always guess the Volvo because it was the percentages. So in this instance, you just got to guess Nathan Lyon. I'm not saying he's a Volvo in any way, shape or form. <laughs> it's just that um, he's going to bowl the most overs. He's going to be, um, you know, um, yeah, that's <laughs> that was a pretty ordinary analogy, wasn't it? <laughs> no, we got there in the end. We got the, we got the bloody answer. Um, Barrett? I, I don't um, I, I might have to get you off commentary next Tuesday. Um, I won't have as much coffee before that. (laughs) Barrett? Uh, I think I'm going to go with, uh, I just think we are living in the era of Pat Cummins. And, you know, I really think uh, uh, the way he used himself during the Ashes, I know it wasn't against a very competitive England side. I think uh, he's going to use himself very smartly over there. Uh, and, and I think he's going to end up with uh, the most wickets. I'm not saying Nathan Lyon is not going to bowl well. Uh, but look, fast bowlers can take a lot of wickets in Pakistan, which we will realize. And not just in Rawalpindi. Even, you know, the pitches can be a little up and down as the, as the you know, the test match wears on. And the fast bowlers do come in. That's why Pakistan creates so many fast bowlers or produce so many anyway. Yeah, I think Mitchell Stark will take the most wickets for Australia on those pitches with his extra pace. Alrighty, uh, that was all the questions from the listeners and the viewer in the US. Thank you for watching. Um, all right, let's wrap this up with Can't Let It Go, that little bit of cricket news you just can't let go through to the keeper. Alex Carey's waiting for it, but it doesn't come. And uh, Paul, what have you got for us? Well, speaking of keepers, I just um, hope that uh, Rod Marsh recovers. It's just been such a sad State of affairs this week to learn of Rod Marsh's heart attack. Um, he His last test match was the first test match I can remember. And uh, it was the Australia versus Pakistan at the SCG at the end of the summer of 1983-84. And it was the last test match of Greg Chappell and Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh. And so for me, those three, they're always sort of tantalized. Because I, I watched cricket before that, my brain just didn't record it. Um, so it's kind of, it's a it's right on the edge of a, of a wonderful era. I've read lots of his books and um, some of his um, comedy books that he wrote with Ian Chappell. I feel like I kind of know him, even though I've never met him. And uh, he's only 74. So hopefully uh, he can pull through. But it sounds like it was a really um, major heart attack. So uh, fingers crossed that uh, we can get some good news about Rod Marsh this week. Yeah, I echo those sentiments. Barrett, do you have a bit of cricket news you just can't let go through to the keeper? Yeah, I mean, uh, firstly, yeah, prayers and thoughts with uh, with Rod Marsh and his family, like you said, Paul. Uh, 
uh, you know, he's such a wonderful servant of the game. But uh, yeah, I think I have to go back to India and the news about Virat Kohli playing his 100 tests in front of crowds. You know, there's been going, there's been a lot of talk about how dared the BCCI make sure that Virat Kohli plays his 100 test match in front of nobody. The man who's brought in more people than anyone else to watch cricket, not just in India, but around the world. How dare they make sure that, I mean, they don't make sure that he plays his 100 tests in front of uh, people. Uh, eventually, like it works out in Indian cricket, the people, the, the, you know, the, the BCC has listened to them and, uh, you know, they've uh, gone back on what they said. And there will be people who are walking into uh, the, the, you know, the, uh, I don't know what the stadium is called in Mohali, but anyway, the cricket stadium in Mohali uh, to watch Virat Kohli, uh, you know, India's famous son, play his first uh, test on Indian soil without uh, the captain's band. You know, it's a new era of Indian cricket. Rohit Sharma, captain, Rahul Ravid, coach. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, I don't think many would have picked this six months ago when there was talk of where would Virat Kohli play his 100 test. Nobody would have picked the fact that he won't be captain when that happens. But it's amazing. Hopefully he gets that uh, long-awaited 100 that everybody's been talking about as well. Absolutely. Uh, well, what I can't let go of is the fact that Australia's back, back in Pakistan means we get to talk about Tubby Taylor's 334 not out again because, I mean, I was the, a massive Tubby Taylor fan. And you forget this 334 came up after he went through a couple of years where he didn't look like he could score a run. And then he, he goes out and equals Bradman. I mean, to me, it was one of the greatest feats Um in Australian cricket history. And I'm just glad that um, Australia going back there, we get to relive all these great memories. And, you know, Paul and I often talk about the 94 tour. And I think it was Raul Pinley where Steve War scored that 90 odd. And um, we stayed up listening to the radio because there was no coverage, just get the hourly update. So just loving this kind of nostalgia from my, um, you know, long, long lost youth. Oh, look, mate, Mark Taylor, Oh, I knew very this was coming. Very good player, good captain, and nice guy. He shouldn't have been in the side. He should have been dropped in 1997. The fact that he got that 334 on the flattest pitch of all time. And also, I don't know how I remember this, but I actually had how's this for a bet? I had $20 on Steve Waugh to be the top scorer in that innings. I think Steve Waugh came out um in Australia with like three for five hundred with Taylor on two hundred and forty. I still I still hope somehow that it would happen, but it didn't. Um, and for, for, yeah, for Taylor to equal Bradman, um, you know, the greatest player of all time, uh, it was just a hideous moment that, um, and, uh, God, uh, I can't believe that's one of your cherished mem- memories. What a horrible, um, note to end the podcast on. <laughs> well, uh, one of the great memories of Australian cricket and a gr- one of the greatest captains and a Barrett's disgusted with that. Um, no, no, from... I, I'm not disgusted with anything. I'm just surprised. At what age did you start betting? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you have a bet on that uh, on that final test for Chapel? He did. March? Yeah, I he mean... did. <laughs> <laughs> he was the bloke no. outside the TAB asking the older blokes to go in and put the bet on no, for him. <laughs> it's nice of you to think that I'm younger than I am. Um, no, but um, actually, my first bet was as a six-year-old. My grandmother put it on for me. Um, just, just put it on the races without me even asking. So. So that's um, but as I always say, I will show anyone who wants to see my lifetime record, and I am in profit, um, especially on cricket. So um, you know, I'm one of the few that aren't losing a lot. I'm actually in the black. 
Wonderful. And my other favourite memory of that tour of Pakistan, I'm just going to throw this into Trigger Paul, is wasn't it Justin Langer's career was saved? He was like almost dropped. He goes out there. He gets hit below the knee roll in front of middle stump. Huge appeal. It might have been show back there. I can't remember. And the umpire shakes his head. Langer makes 100. The umpire? Maybe, yeah. And straight, he makes 100, you know, plays, you know, another 100 tests. But that doesn't trigger me. I like Langer. He's a good player. Um, he's a much better batter than um, bloody Mark Taylor. Um, and like, don't get me wrong. Taylor was a good Sheffield Shield player and should have played a few test matches. He just played more I, I than his ability him. warranted. Um, got almost 900 runs in an Ashes. Yeah, that's fine. So, you know, I always say for a while, Alex Stewart, I think, was the highest, the most prolific run scorer for England. You don't go on aggregate, mate. You go on average. And he, he had an average in the low 40s which is fine and very good. But um, Langer, yeah, that was great. It was good that his career was saved. It was absolutely plumb, though. I'd love to see what Hawkeye showed. Mm, I'm hitting middle of middle. Well, Barrett, thanks for joining us on um, Cricket Unfiltered. As I said, you know, the fact that you can't go over is a real shame, but um, we're you know, really glad that you gave up some time for us and, and jumped on. No, no. I mean, I haven't given up on going. So, Manners, hopefully things turn around and I'm there before. I, mean, I can't reach that before the first test, but hopefully I'm there once the test starts. But if not, like, look, uh, it, it's, uh, it is what it is. Uh, I will be watching every ball of that series. And mm. yeah, this has been fun as always. I'm sure Jalissa can't wait to come back and take her deserved seat uh, in that little box. But yeah, mm. uh, yeah, always fun with you guys. Yeah, and uh, we we put out on Twitter, but we've made a decision this year on Cricket Unfiltered. We're just going to commit to recording live online on YouTube. I've ordered Jaleesa a, a microphone headset because she doesn't have a laptop. She's the only millennial I've ever met without a laptop. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, so it's all going to be sorted, the sound for the next show. Thanks for sticking with us. Even Shane, who said it was a good show, and then Sledge. Just Paul, um, can't wait to get, get behind the commentary mic with you next Tuesday. Yep. Looking forward to that immensely. And um, thankfully it's not going to clash too much with the test match. We'll be able to, that's what I'll actually need when we're on commentary. When you do, it'll overlap slightly with the start of the test of, uh, it'll be day four if they're still going. I know it'll be day five, won't it? Um, mm, result yeah, day. Actually, yeah, well, it could be the result. Um, so just when you're about to give an update, I'll hold my hands over my ears because I want to go back home and watch it rewind and watch it as live without knowing so just do that for do that favor for me and barrett thanks for coming on um it's always great and hopefully that um they see their way fit to give you the visa because it sounds like it'd be a great deal of fun to be over there thank you paul all right everybody thanks for listening to cricket unfiltered we'll be back soon bye on florida's space coast we think you can have the best of both worlds kind of like right now driving at your desk maybe at the gym but you're also grooving to some music visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting it's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com sports social podcast network Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.